We got Derek Wetmore in here. You can find our weekly and sometimes more than that Twins podcast, Touch Em All, iTunes, anywhere you'd find podcasts, 1500ESPN.com slash podcasts. Gentlemen, you know who you can thank if you're a Twins fan, if you're swept up in pennant fever here? Who you can thank for the Twins' exciting run in 2017? Who is that? Bud Selig. Hmm. Because in 2012, one of his last acts as commissioner, Bud Selig pushed for the expansion of the wild card. And the Twins would still be pushing. They'd be three games behind the Yankees for that wild card spot, so they wouldn't be irrelevant. But think about how many more teams this season alone in the American League that expanded wild card spot opened the door for yeah. for compelling scoreboard watching and baseball on a nightly basis. Well, I think that there's a lot of people who look the other way and say that. It's bad for baseball. Oh, because, bleep those people. Well, Sorry. Let, <laughs> seriously. Like, I know. Patrick Royce, I hope you're listening. Well, they say that the competition level is then watered down, easier to make the playoffs. Who's really a contender and who's a pretender? You don't know until the season's, I mean, essentially over. But I think that for every Martin, that's not, this is not just the Twin Cities and Minnesota. Think about the number of markets of fans who were tuned in still that otherwise might have decided to bail out. And I, Tampa was tuned in until three nights you ago. You know, and it's different if, you, if you're the only sport on the ticket and there's not Netflix and Hulu and you know, all these other different entertainment options. Podcasts, of course, I'm a little biased there. But baseball is trying to compete with all these other sports, and the NFL has red zone, for God's sakes. You need something to keep that fringe audience continuing to pay attention to baseball, and it's best if they're paying around, paying attention around the league and not just in their home. And the reason why Bud Selig pushed for the uh, for the wild cards to be added in both leagues is, was it the last night of the 2000, was it 13? 11, 11, okay. 11. That's, that's why. That's yeah. so, that night... They baseball sat there and said, this is incredible. This convergence of events that led to all of these great games, we've got to, to do this. I didn't like the idea initially, but they were well, they were 100% right. <laughs> they were 100% right. And the thing about it is, the devil on my shoulder says, the reality of the situation is we are giving a lot of bad teams the ability to stay in the races. But the flip side to that is, every sport does that it, now. It, it makes every it, single yep. sport does it that. It makes it more fun. It's... I, I think I would just challenge anyone who is still holding on to that opinion. If you're a Twins fan and you're hanging on to the the anti wild card opinion, would you give up what you've been able to experience the last two months to preserve the perceived sanctity of the game? Right, and I and baseball still has the hardest ratio of it's it's still the the longest odds to get to the playoffs compared to the other sports where I think in the NBA more teams get in than not, right? It's There's 30 teams and 16 get in. Mm-hmm. So it's actually it's a greater percentage of teams make the playoffs in the NBA, and that's still not the case in baseball. But I thought it was interesting that you know, they would be three back of, of the Yankees right now. Um, an unsung hero, and he's becoming more and more of just an actual hero because he saved the Twins' bullpen. Trevor Hildenberger yeah. has been incredible for the Twins. He wasn't even on the 40-man roster going into the season. And and he's a guy that even people who follow the organization's prospect rankings and follow double A, single A, probably didn't know a lot about him until he broke through with the Twins. And he's now making Jose Batista look like, uh, well, Jose Batista's having a bad season, but he made him look 
embarrassing last night. He yeah. saved the Twins' season in some ways. Well, he's one, I've got four guys that I'm looking at on this roster that are the key to any potential postseason run, and that list starts with Hildenberger. I talked to him last night after you know he, he came in, cleaned up Buznitz's mess by striking out two batters, and then he goes, there's a righty leading off the next inning. Was it the eighth or eighth inning, I think? And he strikes out that guy, too, before Molitor makes the bullpen move. So he faces three hitters in the middle of the Blue Jays lineup with the game on the line, and he strikes out all three of them. And with Kendrick Morales, he came over the top, so it was it was three and two. He had kind of shown all his pitches. He, it was three and out to start the count. And they have a meeting. Jason Castro comes to the mound, and Hildenberger puts the glove up to the mouth and presumably says, I'll come over the top of the fastball. Mm-hmm. And he throws 93, literally belt high right down the middle. But because it was coming from a different angle, yep. Morales didn't know what it yep. was, so yep. he froze him. He'll do completely. that. He did the same thing. I, I want to say I want to say he got Aaron Judge on that earlier in the year, too, back when Aaron Judge was Aaron Judge. And he's been really impressive for me all throughout. I asked Molitor yesterday, you know, how valuable is it to have a guy who, he's not your closer, but I think I'd contend, Phil, and maybe you and I disagree, maybe we don't. I'd contend that Trevor Hildenberger is their best and also most important reliever right now. Yeah, so totally I asked, agree. I asked Mahler, I said, how nice is it to have a guy that, you know, basically from the fifth inning on, he can be ready to fire up. And Molitor, he basically said as much. He said, yeah, it's I, I can't, I don't know that what his exact quote was, but he said something to the effect of, well, honestly... I just look for the most important moment of the game, and that's what I did tonight, and I went and got Hildenberger. And he's right. He went and found the highest leverage spot, Jose Bautista up, two runners on, one out, Blue Jays threatening to win that game right there. And instead of going to a reliever, going to a guy, you went to your best and most important reliever, even if he doesn't have the title, quote-unquote closer. I think Hildenberger, you're right, is going from unsung hero to... We're singing a lot about him now, and, and deservedly so, too. All right, let's talk about Paul, because uh, there, there was a tweet that came out, I saw a couple nights ago, about you've got to bring Molly back next year, and I retweeted it, and I said, the guy has done everything that's been asked, and he's been, as far as I can tell, very good. So, yes, the tweet was correct. I immediately got three things back. <laughs> from, And this is not from Did one... Did you just deem your tweet to be correct? This is not from... <laughs> I immediately oh, got the, oh, the, oh, no, the tweet no, no. that was right, the first yeah, tweet. Yeah, no, 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 no. Judd does do that too. <laughs> no, no, the tweet, the tweet, the tweet like, I got, like your own tweet. the tweet I saw, I, I retweeted and, and I said yes. Let's give that a little at this retweet point in time, bump. at this point in time, this guy right. has done everything to be back. I immediately got three things back okay. from a multitude of people on Twitter. Were any of them uh, Derek Falvey or Thad Levine or no, Jim the, Paulette? No, they weren't. But mm. I want to, but I want to talk about at least one of these. Okay, Molitor. Shouldn't be back, or don't be so hasty to bring him back. Hmm. The three B's: bunting, yeah, bullpen use, batting order, and and I know number three is not all him. In fact, he's listened to people there. But let's start with bunting because there seems to be an obsession, and this goes beyond just the ordinary fan who who watches games here and there. This goes to a lot of people that watch a lot of Twins games. Mm-hmm. There seems to be an almost unhealthy obsession with him bunting. Okay. So, I think Der- I stand for for Derek and I are both on the on the analytics side of viewing baseball, right? And in general, you you shouldn't give away outs in order to move runners over because in general, it's actually lowering your chances to score more runs over the course of large chunks of time. But everybody is overreacting to Paul yes. Molitor's bunting. Agreed. Everybody is, 
And I, I, it's not, it's, it's, I think there's this black and white stance. Anyone who read the book Moneyball, the anti bunting stance really came to the mainstream and came to fruition in the early 2000s when Michael Lewis wrote Moneyball. And the Oakland A's were explaining some of their philosophies in that book, all of their philosophies in that book, saying, our best chance to score as many runs as possible over six months is to not give away any outs. We want our, our main and only goal is to avoid making an out. So high on base percentage, no bunting, no stealing, because we don't want to get thrown out unless we have a guy who can convert like 80 to 90% of his stolen bases. And the Twins have bunted more than any American League team in 2017. So I get on the surface, well, wait a second, bunting is bad. And the Twins have bunted more than any other team. And so therefore, Paul Molitor is a bad manager because he bunts. But Paul Molitor bunts intelligently when he puts it on. In fact, the Twins are hitting 490 when they bunt because he's calling for bunts from guys like Byron Buxton Hmm. and Eddie Rosario, left-handed hitter. The Twins are hitting 490 on their bunts. Now, when they sacrifice, they've they've sacrificed about once every week on average this season. So if you're outraged because Paul Molitor calls for bunts, I don't think you're looking deep enough. And if you think that he should be fired because he sacrifices an out once a week on average in order to move a guy over, I just think that's an overreaction. And that's coming from a guy who's all in on analytics and sabermetrics. So in general, I'm anti-bunt. Like, bunting is not generally a good thing. But... That is such a broad brush stroke. It's like saying carbs are bad. Yeah, you shouldn't eat a ton of carbs, but like also you need them to live. And I'm not saying you need bunts to live, but it's a conversation that involves a lot more nuance than it usually gets. And I'll try and not geek out too hard here. But basically what people are looking at when they say don't bunt is run expectancy. If there's a runner on second base and one out, or nobody out, whatever, you are expected to score this many runs. And I'm going to make it up. I don't have the chart right in front of me. They do have charts for this stuff, by the way. Yeah, and teams use these run expectancy charts. And and the most recent published data from a guy named Tom Tango, baseball researcher, it's like, let's just say it's like 1.1 runs in one of those situations. Like per inning. You're expected to score, once you get to that spot, the rest of the inning you're supposed to score 1.1 runs. That's just like the way teams view the math. Well, bunting, yes, usually drops that number down. It'll go to something like 0.9. And so people see that gap and they say, well, it's worse now. Why would you have given up that out? And there are two reasons in my estimation. One is because getting outs on bunts is not 100%. So there's some leeway there. But I don't think you bunt just because the off chance I might throw it into right field. That's not it. It increases the percentage chance that you score one of those runs. And in cases where Paul Molitor's bunting... I guarantee you it's not when they're down four runs in the eighth inning and they need them all. And it's not in the third inning when he's looking to get on the board like an old school manager. He's bunting in situations like, hey, it's the eighth inning. We're up two to one right now. It'd be really nice to have Matt Belial with a two-run cushion instead of a one-run cushion. Let's get our fastest player into scoring position and then have a hot hitter coming up behind there's so much more into it. You're trading the percentage chance you score multiple runs for a higher percentage chance that you get the runs that you need. And I'm kind of arguing against myself here because I do think Paul Molitor bunts too much, but I think that the backlash that he gets, similar to Joe Maurer getting backlash for everything that he does, I think it's gone way overboard for the criticism that he actually deserves. Don't you guys think, too, though, that if his bosses came down, 
let's say they'd come down. They in, do every in single June. day. Exactly. They're in but, the clubhouse every but let's, single day. But let's say they came down in June and they said, what the hell are you doing? And he said, this is how I do things. Yeah. Don't this you is think my way. everything he's done strikes me as he has bent over backwards mm. to try and appease them? I mean, he mm. clearly, for every for everyone who looks at the lineup on a daily basis and said, what the heck is this? He's working with people to set that. It's not just him with a wild hair. So the bunting thing to me falls back into these people all seem to be very much on the same page. It's not like he's gone rogue here. I don't mm. think he's going rogue. Let's okay, let's do this. I know we were going to do Judd's keys next. Let's push Judd's keys for a second, okay? Is Judd is Judd's keys going to be okay? Will the car well, keep running? It's more it's more Dave than me. He gets okay. very upset. Let's let's finish up some twins discussion here for now. We will have Corey Provis on a little bit later. We'll get to Judd's keys. Write that down. It's Mackie and Judd. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Purple podcast. This article that uh, Mike Sando does every year, Sam Bradford ends up ranking 23rd among all quarterbacks and ends up in the third tier. It's incredible to me that that Sam Bradford, a top overall pick in the draft, missed one year, but he's what now, seven years into his uh, pro career or so, mm-hmm. that, we st- that we still, and he's on his third team, that we still know so little about this guy. And, you know, ordinarily by now, you can definitively say bust, okay quarterback, you know, not great, or, but, I mean, how many times, how many quarterbacks who were drafted as high as Bradford do we get this far into their career and legitimately say 2017 is going to tell us because we don't know. That's the thing that I keep coming back to. And I think deep in our heart of hearts, we all fear that he's just not that good. You can find the Purple Podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think it is a plot to sell snow cones in parks. That's what it is. Mackey and Judd. Bring the little brats. We hope they don't go blind. On 1500 ESPN. Derek Wetmore's in here. We're talking twins. They're three games up for the wild card spot. They're walking off every night. Buxton's figuring it out. I mean, it's super fun to be watching the twins right now. And we're on this Paul Molitor subject. And I just want to throw this out at you guys because we're because uh, people are wondering again. He called for a bunt last night, and the, the Twins have bunted more than any team in the American League. Um, so, like, how good of a manager is Paul Molitor? Is kind of the question. And our buddy Twins Anonymous even tweeted in: Is Rosario bunting Buxton to second a smart play? Ninety-six percent stolen base success rate uh, for Buxton. I agree with this tweet. If given two choices, bunt him over to second or just straight steal and then take your chances starting with Rosario, I'd rather just straight steal. So I, mm-hmm. I do disagree with that one. Although Rosario beat the bunt out and then they had runners on first and second. Yeah. Um, in general, for managers, the objective of a manager in baseball is to create an environment where players can play as close to their top capability as possible. And Paul Molitor has done that not only this year, but also in 2015 when that team overachieved and flirted with a playoff spot. So we can get caught up in, like, should he have bunted here, there? Is he a flawless manager? No. Has he done a really good job of creating an environment with help from the front office and and assistant coaches and leaders in the clubhouse and good players? It all works together. Has he done a good job of creating that environment? I say yes, Derek. Well, in general... This is going to be a little bit of a wet blanket take. Maybe I've been hanging out with Judd too much recently. 
I don't think managers matter a ton. Like, I think they matter. They can shipwreck you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Valentine, whatever. But I think in general, if we're to give Paul Molitor credit for like a 25-win turnaround, we'd be mistaken. Of course. But the same is true of last year. If we were to demerit him for, for losing 20 more games or whatever it was, obviously that's overstating it. That is going far too deep down the path of managers influence every game. I I think that they matter. And I think that this clubhouse environment that you're talking about, Phil, is maybe the most important thing that they do. But you've got to balance. You've got to figure out how good is he as an in-game tactician. And here's the other thing. If you don't think he's good enough at being an in-game tactician, but you think he's great at setting this clubhouse culture and being an ear for young hitters or helping Byron Buxton maximize his great potential. signs, picking up pitcher tells. Exactly. But you don't think he's a great guy deciding when to bunt and which reliever to use? Then you hire that guy to sit on his bench and tell him what the math is. I still think that the manager is going to have the ultimate say, but to say that Paul Molitor bunts more than I like him to, and so he's as good as gone. I think it's ridiculous. I think he's firmly in the manager of the year conversation. Not that that matters either, but if he wins manager of the year and you want him fired because he bunted once or twice more than you're comfortable with, then that's more of a you problem than a Paul Molitor problem. All right. First of all, Wetmore, if you think that I am a wet blanket th- these days, you've not been listening to the show. <laughs> I did hear you on the drive it, in. Because when it comes to the Twins, <laughs> as these guys have said, I'm now Zen Judd. And let me bring to you the Zen Judd's thought philosophy on what we're seeing here. Judd has a full, uh, for people who aren't in the studio, full beard right now that he's been working on for about three months. I'm the Maharishi baseball yogi. <laughs> here is the philosophy I bring to you. And I'm going to say this in the best way possible. I believe that what I'm seeing in baseball, as baseball evolves and changes, and it's definitely changed a lot and it continues to change, I think what Molitor and the Twins are now part of and what we're seeing with successful teams in the game now, it used to be the manager made up his own rules and he was going to play by his book, right? That's what we used to hear all the time. I think we're now talking about, and I'm dead serious here, much more organizational philosophies. So, like, when we're when people are like, well, what's Paul doing? And Paul's do- – I, I don't think that's where we're going here. And you're dead serious? Yes, I'm dead serious. <laughs> I think he, he's got Jeff Pickler there, the supposedly who, – who's the former pitcher from the Mets, who's the advanced scout who doesn't travel now. But, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Those guys all – according to Patrick, those guys all come downstairs and they meet almost on a daily basis yeah. about lineup construction and ideas – I think in some ways baseball is becoming much more like football in the sense of it's a philosophical standpoint going into games as opposed to the old school. I play 162 of these babies and what I say goes. I I don't think – I think to say Paul's doing this or that is missing the big picture of no, no, Paul's now – because he's a smart guy too. He's now getting a lot of information and it's going into game decisions. And you might not like all those, but to think that this is um to think this is Billy Gardner at work or something, that's not the same thing. He that's is a manager in two thousand seventeen. Provided provided he's decent at like he doesn't alienate his players and he doesn't, you know, getting shouting matches with the media every day. What a manager's biggest responsibility, in my opinion, is being this figurehead you are in many ways the person who represents the organization to the outside world whether it's to uh your fans like local or nationally people think 
when they think of the Twins, they probably think Joe Maurer, Miguel Sano, maybe now Byron Buxton. But Paul Molitor is high on that list. And that just to me, I mean, I mean, if you're good at that part of the job, you're halfway home, man. Like that's that's a huge part of what you're trying to do. And I think Paul Molitor is good at those things. Now, the things that you layer onto that are how do you relate with the players? Are they all comfortable with you? Can you spot things that help them learn? Did he have a hand in Byron Buxton's turnaround? Because if he did, then the answer is it's, it's over. He's your guy. Yeah, he's he's going to be the American League Manager of the Year, right? Because it, it always it's such a predictable award. It always go. I guess Terry Francona just for them rolling off twenty two and counting straight wins. But it always goes to the manager that led the biggest turnaround or the biggest perceived turnaround. Right. And there might not be a bigger turnaround in the history of the American League than what the Twins are now. Wins and losses, I guess we'd have to go see, but they're going to go from one hundred three to the playoffs. So can you then not renew the contract of the American League Manager of the Year? Well, the Twins let Gardy go, I think, two or three years after he won mm-hmm. the American League Manager of the Year award. But um, actually, mean, no, he won it in 2010, and, and, and they waited five years. I so. mean, I've been saying this all along. You could fire him. You could go get your guy because you handpicked him in November when you were hired. It you won't know. shipwreck the team if no, they fire Paul No, it'd be Palmer. fine. Yeah. You could do that. But. What I've been saying all along is if you were to do that, then you are to admit that this season didn't matter. You are to say that we had this decision made in February, and thanks for being a good soldier, Paul, and playing lame duck manager. Because there's no way that you could evaluate what he's done in a vacuum this season and say, no, I'm pretty sure that we can do better than that. I'm pretty sure that we'll get a guy who will definitely raise the water level more. I'm not saying it'd be the wrong decision. It would be a little arrogant, but it wouldn't be like surprising, and, and, and I don't think they'd be too vilified for it either. I'd say it'd be a lot more likely to happen if they hadn't had their own people already come into the organization. Sure. I mean, the hire of Pickler is huge, I'm sure. I mean, I'm told he's a really, really bright Pickler, guy. Hefner, yes. now they got Daniel Adler running Exa- stats Exactly. And, and, and to back to my point, if it's an organizational philosophy about how, how to approach things, it becomes much less important than to put this all on one guy. Sure. And that one guy's done a hell of a job. So it it would be an incredibly tough sell now to come back and say, well, but if we just get this guy, he'll do this or that. I think if you bring, if you're going to bring Pickler and Hefner and all, all these guys back, I think you're in a pretty good place to give Paul a three year contract, make it two years and an option that'll take him to what sixty four or so. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Derek, thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, good thanks, stuff. guys. Derek Wetmore, find his Hi, twins Derek. coverage on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com and also the Touch 'Em All podcast iTunes. 1500ESPN.com slash podcast, wherever you would be downloading a podcast.